0: You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. Have you ever been to a children's hospital or the children's ward of a hospital? It's one of the most difficult places to be. It can be so overwhelming when you see the beautiful faces of young children who are struggling maybe even to the point of death, that's hard. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Probably the only thing worse is that your child or your grandchild is suffering, struggling. Some of you know what that feels like. You're struggling today. You're fighting for health and wholeness. And if it's not you that's suffering, then chances are it's somebody close to you, somebody that you love is going through suffering and you're worried about them. Where we find ourselves today in the Gospel of John at the end of the fourth chapter is about a little boy who is sick and dying and there's a dad who loves his son and wants him healed. And we're gonna look at what happens when sick people meet Jesus. And Jesus intervenes in those who are struggling and suffering. We learn from the Bible that death is an enemy. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says that very thing. Death is an enemy. And sin has caused death to enter into the world. As a result, things are not as God intended them, but they are also not as God will conclude them. Now that's not to say that God doesn't have control over death. It's not to say that God was surprised by the sin of Adam and Eve that brought sin into the world. It just means that God's will was not followed. Here's to our story. Once more he, that is Jesus, visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. Jesus is still in the early phase of his ministry. The first miracle we saw recorded in John 2 is that he changed water into wine, and then he did some traveling, some ministry. In John 3, it was meeting with Nicodemus, talking about the Holy Spirit being born again. In the first part of John chapter 4, it was meeting with that woman in Samaria by the well But now he's returning to that region of the first miracle. This is the second miracle that John records. There was a certain royal official. So think of a political leader, somebody who's affluent and well educated, whose son lay sick at Capernaum. Sometimes you have a God sized problem. This man is powerful but he's not powerful enough to heal a son. He's rich, and I would venture to guess he has used every available means and resources to get help, find solutions for his son to no avail. You gotta know as a parent, fear and anxiety has gripped this dad. Maybe you've been there. We could lose this child. This dad has witnessed His son become lethargic, the the color, leave his face. He's lost weight. He's not awake much. He's dying. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. So Jesus had been in Judea. That's the southern part of Israel. Now made his way back up to the region of Galilee, the northern side. And he's back in the town of Cana where the wedding feast and the turning water into wine happened. This man is living in Capernaum. The distance between those two cities, Cana and Capernaum, is about 17 miles. I would have no doubt realizing this dad, once he learned that Jesus was that close, dropped everything and went to go on this journey. Think of a father who is panicked, frantic, fearful. I'm hoping, trusting, praying that I can get to Jesus before it's too late. If I can just get Jesus back to my son. He's like, I just need to get Jesus to my son. Now, sometimes God will allow hardship in our lives. So it will bring us closer to himself. Again, I, I'm not saying that God would cause this. I'm not saying that it was because of anyone's sin that this boy is, is sick and dying. But sometimes pain and problems come and we find ourselves being pushed toward Jesus. Ultimately, something that's very brutal, very painful, becomes very helpful. It's like what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8:28. All things work together for good for those who love God. He doesn't say all things are good, but that they can work for good. So something that's even painful, brutal, can be helpful. Some of you understand this. As you came to the Lord Jesus through a season of pain and problems, this man would not have come to Jesus had it not been for the pain in his heart and the problem with a dying child. Now, this is what I would encourage you with. That whatever pain or problem you have, you need to come to Jesus, and you need to bring that pain and problem to Jesus with you. That's exactly what this dad does. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. There are two primary ways that we come to faith in Jesus, through persuasion and through power. Some of you came to Jesus through persuasion. You're like me. I didn't have a crisis in my life. I was brought up in church and I came to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for me on the cross. That's persuasion. That's maybe you got that through your parents. So they're bringing you to church. You you got that through a Sunday school teacher. Or you you heard that in worship. That's persuasion. Or maybe you're a little older and you did your own research and you did research in all religions and you found all the others wanting that only Christianity offered you hope and life and truth. And so either on your own or through the help of some friends, you came to believe in Jesus. That's through persuasion. Some people come to Jesus through power. They have a God-sized problem and God's power shows up to alleviate their pain and problem maybe it's a miraculous healing maybe he's gotten you through a very difficult situation that you thought there is no way I can get through this Jesus looked at this man and said you're not going to come to faith unless you see power here's one of the things I love about Jesus he is willing to serve you in any way that would be helpful for you to meet him he's like you need power I'm going to give you power but ultimately it's because I want a relationship with you the royal official said sir come down before my child dies you can almost hear the immediacy the anxiety go Jesus replied your son will live it's not a whole lot of information Five words. Is there not a written contract I can sign? Is there no witnesses? But what it shows is that God can work through the power of His Word. God speaks, creation obeys. When Jesus here is speaking about healing, as a result, healing is going to happen. This man took Jesus at His Word and departed. This is faith. We read in Romans 10, 17 that faith comes by hearing the word of God. This man hears the word of God and faith springs up in him and he trusts in the promise of Jesus. Faith is not just what you believe, it's how you behave. This man believed and then what? He went on his way. This man knows very little, but what he knows, he obeys. Faith is obedience to what you know. And what that means is some of you don't need more information. You need more obedience. That God has already revealed to you. God has already directed you. You know exactly what to do. You're just not doing it. This man knows very little. What he got, the total theological instructions was five words. And what does he do? He obeys what he knows to be true. Something else about faith, it's like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the more it grows, the stronger it gets. This is the first time that this man has truly exercised faith. He believed and he left. Now, how many of you, you, if you heard somebody say to you, your son is 17 miles away, he'll be fine. Good day. What does the dad do? He leaves. And he leaves the situation in God's hands. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired, next slide, thank you. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever Left him. So at one o'clock, Jesus said he is healed, and at one o'clock he was healed. Here's what I want you to see Jesus can heal from a distance. Spoiler alert Jesus is alive right now. He's seated in heaven, he's not here. Can he still heal? Yes, right here we learn that he can heal from a distance, and he still heals from a distance. Because when God's word goes forth, there is no power equal to the authority of God's word. Now, there's something else I want you to see here too. Catch with the father and the servant in their dialogue. Apparently, the dad did not start toward home immediately after meeting with Jesus. Look at how it was announced. When was the son healed? The servant said, yesterday. Yesterday. At one in the afternoon. Yesterday, that means the dad had not yet gotten home. How many of you, if you were told your son is healed, you would go immediately? This man waited. We don't know. Maybe he was worn out and just needed that extra, just the emotional and physical, uh, the the anguish of everything that was in him to find, I can can finally catch a breath and I, I just need to rest before I head home. I don't know. Or maybe. He had such faith that there was a peace beyond understanding. Then the father realized. That this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. I want you parents to see that. We want you to believe, your kids to believe, your grandkids to believe. This man is the first believer in his home. He goes home and, and he tells his wife and his kids and their servants. He tells them about Jesus and they all become believers. They all become followers and worshipers of Jesus. Statistically, if there was a, an unbelieving couple and the wife converts to Christianity, typically, statistically, the husband does not. Statistically, if the husband were to convert, the wife also does. So it seems that it's up to the men to change the legacy of the family. The Bible says that we worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's three generations. That's what we want for you. That's what this man experiences. He meets Jesus. His family meets Jesus. Now we're talking generation after generation of transformation. Definitely not trying to discourage any women in this capacity. It's just on the average Church attendance is 60-plus percent female. What is that teaching our kids? Church isn't all that important because dad doesn't think it is. Opening the Bible isn't all that important because dad doesn't think it is. Prayer, same thing. This man goes home. How much does he know about Jesus? Jesus. Very little. You could give him a three-by-five card, and he could even fill it up. But he tells his family what he knows. Obey what you know, share what you learn. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. All right, a few things. Number one, Jesus loves and cares about your kids. God comes to earth and pays attention to the needs of one little boy. Now, the story that we've just read records one healing that took place in that family, but the truth is, the whole family was healed. This boy got a physical healing, but the rest of the family got an emotional and spiritual healing. Some of you need a physical healing, and some of you, what you really need are emotional and spiritual healing. And I love the fact that when you come to Jesus, sometimes you get a lot more than you expect. This dad thought he only needed one thing, heal my son. Jesus says, I'm also going to save you and your family. And Jesus loves your family as he loves this family. Now, on the issue of healing, that raises some questions, doesn't it? Why did they get a healing and, and I didn't? What do I need to do different? How do we respond to those questions biblically? Well, let me start with this. Jesus' ministry was to include healing. That was promised 700 years before he walked on the earth. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering couple that verse with a line from the New Testament book of Hebrews that says, he can sympathize. When you go to Jesus and you say, I need inner healing, I am torn, I am racked with grief and sorrow, Jesus says, I understand that. No one went through more sorrow and grief than he did. When you go to Jesus with physical ailments, Jesus said, I understand that too. He was beaten, whipped so badly that the Bible describes that he could not even be recognized. Jesus suffered internally and externally, and as a result, he can sympathize, and he can walk with you through whatever you are going through. Look, God is still a God of miracles. When you go through a situation, when you're confronted by a huge problem, sometimes God will take that supernaturally and just move it out of the way. Sometimes, He will allow you to walk around it. But most times, where are you going? You're going to go through it. That's this family. They had to go through the pain of seeing their son dying. But God and Jesus got them to where they once again experienced wholeness. Let me say this. All of God's children will experience healing. The question is when. Some will receive physical, emotional healing in this life, and they will still need to be raised from death. But all of God's children will experience complete, total, final healing in the kingdom of God in the presence of Jesus. But here's what you can't do. You can't take that promise of God, put it on your calendar, and demand a timetable according to your wishes. Here's what I want, God. Here's when I want it. Here's what you said. You said you would heal. Okay, I'm ready. Let me also say this. Healing is not a matter of faith. Well, if you maybe you've heard this. Well, if you had more faith, you'd be healed. If you had more faith, God would act on your behalf. We don't know why some people are healed in this life and others are not. But one day we'll all be healed. In the meantime... Trust God that he knows your situation, that he cares about you. And it's okay, and it's more than okay to seek medical help from doctors and nurses and pharmacists because those are the resources that God has provided for us. Some people have the wrong idea about medicine and medical personnel and think that the use of them is contrary to God's healing. It's not. Do you know that the writer the largest portion of the New Testament is a doctor. It's Luke. In sheer volume of words, the gospel of Luke and his sequel, the book of Acts, is the largest portion of the New Testament. And he is a doctor. He was a traveling companion of the apostle Paul. And Paul writes in Colossians 4.14 that He is sending greetings from Luke, the doctor. Does God still heal today? Yes. Will all of God's children get healed in the kingdom? Yes. Will all believers experience healing here? No. Let's talk for a moment about the Apostle Paul. Here's the question. Was he a vessel? Was he a conduit for God? To heal other people? Yeah, he was. In the book of Acts, it tells us that Paul healed the sick. He even raised the dead. On one occasion, he even healed everyone in an entire city. But he himself would not be healed of something that he could only refer to it It was so agonizing he could only refer to it as a thorn in his flesh he's suffering he's struggling he goes on to say it was a messenger of satan to torment him and then in that same section he says this three times i pleaded with the lord to take it away from me but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Did the Apostle Paul get healed in this life? No. Did he not have enough faith? I think that's a ridiculous question. Does he not trust God? doesn't say that. Did he have some secret sin in his life? Doesn't seem to be. Then why doesn't God heal him? There are just some things we don't know. But know this, God gave Paul his presence in the midst of his suffering. For some of you, God will remove the problem, and we'll rejoice with you. But even if he doesn't remove the problem, you still get his presence, which brings empathy, love, compassion. Some of the godliest people have suffered a lot. And God himself suffered the most. Back to the story. The dad goes the 17 miles to Jesus, heal my son. Jesus says, your son will be healed. You trust me by faith. Eventually it will be sight. You now go, journey home. What he received was a sign Signs exist to point us along on a journey toward the destination. Once you get to the destination, you don't need the sign anymore. It's like taking a family trip to Disney World. There are signs along the way, not every inch, but strategically placed so you know when you're getting closer. 70 miles to Disney World, 50 miles to Disney World, 30 miles to Disney World. You get there, you get out of the car, you're not still looking for signs to Disney World because you know you're there. The signs get you to the place. So, the healings, the miracles, the supernatural, the deliverances, those are all signs pointing to our home in the kingdom of God. So, if you get a supernatural provision, if you get a supernatural healing, God shows up, praise God. And let the rest of us in on it so we can be encouraged by that sign as well. And what this father had, he had faith, but he didn't have sight until he got home. You and I are in the same position as this dad. We are promised resurrection from the dead. We are promised eternal life. We are promised comfort and peace and provision in the presence of God forever but we're not there yet just like he had to go home we're going home and as he had to trust along the journey we're having to trust along the journey he got a sign and along the way we get signs to encourage us that we are indeed going in the right direction we are headed toward home This little boy got healed. Quick question. Is he still alive today? No. Oh, he's alive in the presence of Jesus, but he's not walking around the earth. Now, I hope he lived a good and long life. That he grew up and married his dream girl, and they had adorable kids, and he became a grandpa, and he bought a brand new chariot to ride those grandkids around to get ice cream. I hope all of that. But at some point, even though he was healed, he still needed to be resurrected. Even though he had his life extended, he was still going to have to have eternal life granted. So Jesus comes, and Jesus lives, and he suffers, and he dies, and he rises to conquer death And this man, John, who writes of this story, writes other books of the Bible. One of them is the book of Revelation where he's telling us about home. He's talking about the kingdom of God and how it's all gonna be when all is said and done. Here's what he says in almost the last chapter of the Bible. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. If you belong to Jesus, when you close your eyes and open them up again in heaven, the Bible says you will see Jesus face to face. You may be crying. Jesus, life was hard. The pain was real, both the inner and outer. I suffered. And Jesus will say, come here. I love you. Welcome home. There is no more death or mourning or crying. I've taken care of it all. I've made it all better. And Jesus will take his hands. And you know what you're going to see on his hands? The scars from the crucifixion. And Jesus is going to take those nail-scarred hands... (laughs) He's going to wipe your tears away. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.